All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on MoneyWise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Got your Money Wise guys back inside the Money Wise studio with me for this weekend show. I have my brother Jeff, Joe Rust, and I am your host, Kyle Davidson. For any new listeners to the Money Wise program, Davidson Capital Management is a fee-only registered investment advisor. With our 34th year of business and with offices in San Antonio and Corpus Christi, we have your investment management needs covered throughout Central and South Texas. And if you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Money Wise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments, and don't forget to like the show. As we kick off every weekend's Money Wise program, I turn it over to my brother Jeff to go into the numbers from Wall Street from last week. So, Jeff, take it away. Okay, last week the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down about 100 points, or three-tenths of 1%. The S&P 500 for the week was up a little more than 20 points, or one-half of 1%. And the NASDAQ for the week was up 212 points, or 1.6%. Now, for the year to date, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up eight tenths of one percent. The S&P 500 year to date is up 12.2 percent, and the Nasdaq year to date is up 28.3 percent. Now, this is our first show that we've done since the quarter ended. Uh, the third quarter of 2023 was a negative quarter for all the major market indices. The Dow was down 2.6%. The S&P 500 was down about 3.7%. And the NASDAQ was down 4%. Really, all of that negative performance really came from the month of September uh, because all of the indices were down. Uh, going into September, we were up for the quarter. And with, with the September performance uh, numbers being all negative across the board, that gave us a negative third quarter. Uh, so. If it wasn't for Friday, uh, we would have had a, a negative f- first week for the beginning of the uh, fourth quarter. I know the Dow was down just a touch, but we definitely had a, a, a really good day on Friday. One of the, I think one of the best days we've had in uh, a number of weeks. It could, we have, may have to go back to the beginning of the previous quarter for a day as good as this. And I was, you know, considering the news that we had received on Friday, it was all about the unemployment uh, numbers and the consensus expectations going into the unemployment numbers, which really began, I think it was on, was it on Wednesday with the jolts numbers, Kyle? Was it, I think it was Wednesday. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we had the jolts numbers, which was way above expectation. They were expecting jolts numbers, which is available jobs, you know, that are open. They were expecting it to be in the low 8 million range, and it came out as the hot, you know, in the low 9 million range. So I believe it was more than a million more jobs available than what was anticipated. And we've, we're in this part of the market or this cycle in the market where good news is bad for the market and bad news for the economy is good for the market because it means that the Fed is done raising rates and possibly they could be lowering rates sooner than expected and not keep them as high for long. And so that was what we were concerned with when the employment numbers came out on Friday being more than double, I believe, the expectation for Friday because the ADP report, which was for private payrolls that came out on Thursday, was showing less than 100,000 jobs that were created from the ADP report. And so I think the market was anticipating to see, you know, 100, 125, maybe 150,000 jobs created. And what, what came to be, what came to pass 
was 336,000 jobs. So the futures immediately went south. Interest rates immediately spiked up. And we know that the algorithms are in full control. I know Jim Cramer has talked about this, is that the algorithms take over. If interest rates go higher, the market tends to sell off. Right. Well, so it, we been, had a route. We did have a rally Friday too. At the end of the day, Friday it was we had a significant rally. And it seemed when the S and P was around forty two twenty five or so, it, it bounced. You know, and well, if you're looking that, if, if you're looking at the technicals, I mean, we were in a consolidated pattern right above the two hundred day moving average mm-hmm. for the S and P five hundred, which is right that kind of forty two hundred point range for the S and P five hundred seemed to be the line of the sand, and we've been holding that line, kind of doing the market cha cha, two steps forward, two steps back, and then Friday after we opened weaker. Around 11 o'clock or so, here came in the buying, and we had kind of another one of our classic attack of the Fridays where we had this big rally. I think we've had four straight negative weeks in a row up until this week, at least in terms of the S&P. It was five, actually. At least in terms of the S&P. The Dow didn't Mm -hmm. turn in another negative week. It's been two, two weeks since we've done a show. It's pretty rare that we get preempted by A&M football on consecutive weekends, but that's you know, that's what's happened in this case. And the dri- there were two driving factors. To me, there are two things driving the markets negatively in September. One was rising long-term interest rates. Notice, notice I said long-term. And number two was what was happening in oil. Now, oil was down 9% this week. 9%. Ladies and gentlemen, tell me why oil was down 9% this week. Well, especially when, especially no when OPEC extended yeah. their million-a-barrel-a-day cuts through the end of the year. So that is yeah. surprising, and that yeah. would be – that is a great question, Jeff. Why down 9% if OPEC extended I, I their million-a-barrel cut? Oh, well, why please give it, it to us. So why was it up so much? It's traders going to trade. Traders <laughs> gonna trade more so sellers the, than buyers, as Dad would no, 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 Dad no, no, would no. answer. Well, uh, at least this week there were more sellers than buyers. In, yes. in the weeks past, the it's been more buyers than sellers. But traders gonna trade. There is no real reason why oil should have been down nine percent. Maybe just because it's run up so much here of late that well, traders got to take a break. Traders got to trade. Traders got to take a profit. Right. So looking at interest rates, which has been the big worry of everyone, the market's been worried about, is the Fed going to raise rates again or not? How long is higher for longer? And while all that debating is going on, I see we're coming up on the break, so I'm going to, I'm going to make it short and I'm going to come back when, after the break. These We're finally starting to see long maturity interest rates start to reflect the real economic reality that's happening around us, especially with what's happening with financing our deficit and how the, the, the buyers for these instruments are demanding more return for the risk that they're taking. When we come back, I'll expand on that a little bit more. Okay, well, we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at one 800 275 2162 if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the MoneyWise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. So if you're just tuning into this weekend's MoneyWise program, continuing to recap the happenings of Wall Street from this past week, we were talking about the employment numbers that came out on Friday with 336,000 jobs created, well above expectations, more than double uh, employment expectations, unemployment rate at 3.8%. And, of course, my favorite statistic for all you employment statistic nerds, the U6, which wound up at 7%, which is only two-tenths hotter 
from the historic low of the U6, and the U6 is really considered the true unemployment rate. So employment was still hot, and the markets definitely did not respond positively in the futures on Friday or in the morning, but then we saw the buying coming in, and as as we were discussing right before the break, when I look at the S&P 500 from a technical chart standpoint, we were really starting to see some consolidation over the last couple of weeks, right around the 200-day moving average for the S&P 500, which is right around 4,200 points. And so that was the line in the sand that was held during the last couple of weeks. And then we got the kind of rip-your-face-off rally towards the late morning to the close on Friday. And so... You know, obviously, as we said earlier about oil, sometimes traders have to trade, but there was definitely some buying opportunities. And when I look at vol, yeah, there's, you know, good buying opportunities with the S&P having an almost 10% corrective move from its, from its high earlier this year. And so when we saw volume 3% above normal, so we didn't see any huge uh, conviction on a volume from a volume standpoint, but it was good to see this buying with a little bit above daily moving average on volume, 3% above. One of the things I wanted to point out, Kyle and I were at a function the other day, and we were talking to another advisor at a firm that will remain nameless, but we were talking about that technical number in the the 200-day moving average, and you're like, you know, you may see some buying in here in this oversold position, and, of course, boom, what happens Friday? There you go. So The machine clearly got up against some sort of – there was some sort of point programmed into the algorithms, Mm -hmm. and the algorithms bought and ignored – what otherwise would have been news that would have driven has has been dri- driving the market lower because as Kyle had said in the previous segment we're in this what I've termed it termed in the past we're in this perversion of the markets type uh, behavior right now where good news where a strong economy or or statistics that come out that are perceived as indicating a strong economy are the, uh, need to be uh, treated as bad news when it comes to stock prices because this good news may cause the Federal Reserve to do something such as raise interest rates, and they, which they can't until November. That's when their next meeting is. But I want to remind everybody, because I, as I talked about in the previous segment, how much the 10-year yield has come up just since our last show. Our last show was the week ending September the 15th. The 10-year Treasury yield was at about 4.3%. I'm going to round it off. And on Friday, rounding it off again, we were about 4.8%. That's a 50 basis point move. That's a half percent in a 10-year Treasury in three weeks, ladies and gentlemen. So that's a huge market. What do you think that does to stocks? Well, it creates volatility, and it typically is going to cause stocks to decline for a period of time while all of this works out. The Federal Reserve only controls short-term interest rates and only the federal and only the federal funds rate. That is the only thing that the Federal Reserve controls. Everything else, three months, six months, one year, two years, we go all the way out to 50, 100 years. All of those yields on the yield curve are controlled by the market, buyers and sellers, determining what they're willing to pay for an instrument for a given yield to maturity. So for the longest time, we've been talking about this this inverted yield curve where where investors were making more money for investing money in fixed income instruments than they were investing in fixed income instruments that matured out 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years out. That's called an inverted yield curve. A normal yield curve, you would pay, be paying more yield for 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 uh, pay, for investing the money further out into the maturity range because you're taking more risk because you're putting it out further until you get your money back. That's a normal yield curve. We've had this inverted yield curve for a number of years. I noticed that on Friday – the difference between the two-year and the 10-year yield spread was the narrowest that's it had been in a year. That's how much interest rates, you know, on the long end have come up. Short rates, you know, like we'll, we look at our money market fund rates every day because we have quite a bit of money in high-yield money market funds. Those yields have not changed. 
maybe a, a hundred, you know, a hundredth of a percent, one basis point mm-hmm. here and there. That's all they've changed. They certainly have not gone up a half percent as, as has, you know, like a 10 year yield. So we have been debating amongst ourselves whether we're going to go out and buy another long, well, whether we're going to go out on the yield curve and lock in some of these long-term, you know, long-term yields that have come up here in the last two, three weeks since we've been on the on the radio, we haven't pulled the trigger yet, but it's on the table for us to potentially lock in some more of this of this money in the bond in, in, in bonds. We don't know how high yields are going to go. I mean. Jamie Dimon said they were going to go to what he said seven percent this week. Well, Bill Gross, the the former formerly crowned bond king of Pimco, he was talking about he's going to see six percent plus. Now, uh, the the an old term that I know Dad would definitely recognize is the bond vigilantes because that has been in a lot of articles in the last couple of weeks. And what they mean by bond vigilantes is bond investors that are out there selling causing the increase in yields further out on the curve, as Jeff was just explaining, trying to correct this inversion that we've had in the yield curve for quite a long period of time now. And so the question is, have the bond vigilantes done some of the job for the Fed? Is the selling of the longer end of the maturity yield curve, given the Federal Reserve a reprieve, from raising rates in November and possibly in December, and could this mean that the Fed is possibly done because of what the bond vigilantes have done over the last couple of weeks? Because I heard the statistic on Friday that right now the betting odds on an interest rate increase in November is only at 24%. There's only a 24% chance, so about a quarter percent chance that the Fed is going to be raising rates in November because of the bond selling on the longer end of the yield curve that has occurred, particularly this week and some in the last week or previous week. So, Jeff, let me ask you that question. What are your thoughts? Well, do you think the Fed, do you think these bond vigilantes, quote unquote, do you think that they have, they've given an assist, like a Magic Johnson assist to the Federal Reserve? Well, I know one of the Federal Reserve governors this week, and I don't remember her name, had said in in a speech that that she believed that how much yields had come up on the long end yeah. to her equals one you know a one meetings rate increase. It was and, a New York and, Fed, Marta, okay. Marta, yeah. And to me, as I think we we said this on a previous show, and I still and I still believe this to be the case, the market is not worried as much about the timing or the amount or if the Federal Reserve is going to to execute another interest rate increase either in the November or December meeting, the discussion now is how long do interest rates stay this high? And I'm putting this in quotations, ladies and gentlemen. I know you can't see this on your radio. High. Because interest rates aren't high. If you take, if you look at a hundred-year time frame, now if you look at twenty-year time frame, sure, absolutely. Which is, and I talked about this with, with Dad a few days ago. And I know we're coming up on a break, so I'm going to say a little bit about this and carry it over the next segment. There is so few people that are actually in a position of managing money in today's world that have experienced interest rates at this level, because you're you're. You're gonna. You got to go back to you know. Right now, I think the ten years are like a two seven two two thousand and seven two thousand and six level. Mm-hmm. And if we get over five percent on a ten year Treasury yield, sometime say between now and the end of the year, now we're talking about beginning of the century type yields on a ten year Treasury. And you tell me how many folks have actually managed money. In the, that are managing money now in the last that they were around 23 years ago. I doubt it's less than 25 percent of the people managing. I was money thinking that exact number. Have, we're actually managing it at the turn of the century. I know one firm in particular that was doing it. We were. Yeah, that's right. Tenancy Capital Management was, and throughout the entire you know decade of the 90s. So. Right. 
uh, you know, been around a long time, 34 years in business. So we've, we've been to quite a few rodeos. Well, let's take our next commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Money Wise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps you can leave your comments and don't forget to like the show. So if you're just tuning in this weekend's Money Wise program, continuing to recap the happenings of Wall Street from this past week. And I know we've been spending a lot of time on this weekend's program talking about fixed income, in particular the increase that we've been seeing on the longer end of the maturity yield curve from a, ter- a term I think we'll have to ask Dad, but I believe it was a, a, co- a term coined in the 80s, the bond vigilantes, and that's bond traders, bond managers that were going out and doing quite a bit of treasury selling in particular over the past couple of weeks, and what we were saying in the last segment, possibly doing part of the Federal Reserve's job, which could very easily take the November potential interest rate increase off the table and December, possibly ending the Federal Reserve's rate increase moving forward, but obviously it's going to be data dependent. In my opinion, I think they need to be done. They need to be done, let the data come to them. But, of course, they're not going to say they're done. I don't think they're ever going to say they're done. And, and you always have your hawks, too. They're always going to be like 25% maybe of the, of the Fed that think they still need to raise rates. So well, th- They're just going to keep talking tough, in my opinion. Majority of the Fed governors are going to keep talking tough because they looked so silly a couple of years back when they were saying that inflation was transitory. And as I've said on this program, they're still wiping a cream pie off their face for making that bad call. So they're not going to make a second bad call and say, you know what, we're done raising rates. And you know what, I think we're going to start lowering them in the next six months. They're not going to come out and say that. So any listener, any investor that's anticipating them to come out and say that, please don't hold your breath. So Jeff, I know there was a point of wrapping up while we're talking so much about fixed income on this weekend well, show. Okay. A few things. We were also in that transitory camp, full disclosure, ladies and gentlemen. Now, we pivoted a lot faster than the Federal Reserve did. <clears throat> but we were also in that camp, too. That's uh, true. At that point in time with the data at hand, yes. So just because the Federal Reserve stops raising interest rates doesn't mean that interest rates stop going up. Because the market controls the vast majority of the yield curve is controlled by the market. And the government has to finance this debt, which means they have to issue bonds, which means there has to be buyers for these bonds, which means in order for the buyers to be enticed to buy the bonds, they have to be offered a rate in which they believe that they're being fairly compensated for the risk that they are taking. So to me, with the 30-some-odd trillion that we have in debt right now, I don't know that that uh, 4.8% on a 10-year Treasury is going to entice people to buy that many of those notes. I don't know. We've already been hearing that the the folks overseas are buying less of our debt. Now, why are they buying less of, less of our debt? Because the dollar is so strong. That's the one thing that gets me. On these conservative talk radio, on these conservative uh, uh, ads that we hear running for gold and all this other stuff, and they're talking about how the dollar's collapsing. Go look at a go look at a chart of the dollar, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, yeah. for for this year. The reason they're buying less of our debt is because when you buy you know, when you buy uh, take, take your your yen to convert buy it to dollars, dollar, you know dollar denominated U.S. bonds, you're buying less bonds with the yen. That we're given, you know, fraction, given piece of a yen because the, our dollar has come up in value so much. Why has our dollar come up so much? Because our interest rates have been coming up. That's why. 
And, and Jeff, I actually read a report this just on Friday morning about how much bond issuance that's going to be coming from the government come next year. And obviously it's going to be higher than this year. But the other thing we have to be careful, mindful of in terms of stocks is a stronger dollar can hurt multinational companies' earnings because because of currency translations. Uh, currency fluctuations, and, and it's going now, to be making I, it more expensive for exporters. Is, is, is it going to be? Is it going to be across the board? No, it's not. Um, our our comp- can companies financial you know, use their balance sheet engineering to overcome it? Yes, they can. But that's a we may see some of that in the earnings that are coming out, and that's the big focus now. We'll have another week of earnings. We'll have another week of interest rate worries. That's going to be the focus about because we got CPI coming next week. And PPI. And, and, and PPI. That CPI number is hot. The 300 points that we or whatever it was we were up on, on, on Friday in the Dow may go right back the other way because we're – they're going to be thinking, okay, here we go again. We're going to have to, you know, yields are going to have to go up. Is the Fed going to raise interest rates? We got higher for longer. You know, the whole, the volatility right now, the market is very difficult to invest in right now. I'm not saying not to invest in. I'm just saying it's difficult. So, so like if the people that put, to, put money to work today, if you got a one-week time horizon, forget about it. If you got a one month or six month time horizon, forget about it. If you got one year, two year, five year, ten year time horizon, yeah, you can buy stocks here lower than they were a few months ago. Yeah, you're definitely buying stocks lower than they were two almost two years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you got if you got a one month time horizon, yeah, forget about it. You know that, that's I, that's crazy. That's not that's what we do here. Yeah, Joe. I wanted to bring something up. Kyle and I were talking about this uh, on Friday. And if you look at where the 10-year is, say the 10-year does hit 5, 5% on the yield. Well, you've made money in the stock market when the tre- when the 10-year has been at 5%. But you, you made also money have to talk in about the stock market when treasuries were at 9 and 10%. Yes. Just remember, you got to go back, you know, 15 years or more, which most, like you said, most managers may not have that right. kind of track record and have been around that long. But you also got to think, and Kyle was having a conversation with a client, like, well, I just put my money in and. CDs, money, and 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 uh, and bonds, and be done with it. And you have to remember about inflation. And if you're in a taxable account and you're making money, you got to worry about taxes. If you're in a taxable account, you got to worry about inflation and taxes. And if you're in a tax deferred account, you still got to keep. You still got to outpace inflation. So, well, and, and 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 that's and that's a conversation that's been swirling around. And I think we've touched on it from time to time on this program. You know, now that we've had the Fed go through an interest rate hiking cycle of the likes we have not seen in over 40 years. And you have investors that got burned during the financial crisis, got burned in the fourth quarter of 2018, got burned in 2022, maybe not having such a great year this year because the equally weighted S&P 500 just went positive on Friday. So did the Dow and so did the Russell 2000 because the entire market has been primarily driven by the Magnificent Seven stocks, which we've talked about ad nauseum throughout this year on the Money Wise show. But we, we get this question, you know, why do I even want to mess around with the stock market? And, Joe, to your point, okay, yeah, you can go out and buy a five, five and a quarter uh, percent treasury, and you're going to be getting that yield to maturity. And you're thinking, great, I'm making 5%. I can put all my money in this 5% bond or this 5% CD, not even put a single dollar in the stock market, and I don't have to deal with this volatility anymore. But here's the thing that investors forget. Inflation. Inflation is that silent killer. So the thing that I always say is don't confuse the return of principal with the return of purchasing power because each month that goes by, that interest that you're earning is buying that much less. And so what is your true real return? Well, if inflation's at four and you're making five, your total real return is one. We own a fixed income at Davidson Capital Management for two reasons, safety and income. For many, many years, it seems like for the, for the last 15 years, bonds have given us safety, not a whole lot of heck of a lot of income. And so it's required us to go further into the stock market from an allocation standpoint to give capital appreciation opportunities, especially for investors or clients who are living off of their retirement nest egg and pulling out monthly distributions. They need a growth component. Yeah. Well, so that's, every, the that's, that's the key. That's the key. Every right investor. Most, 
the vast majority – sorry to interrupt you, Kyle. That's okay. The vast majority of investors need to live off this money in retirement. Mm-hmm. They need to be making withdrawals to, to Social Security or if they had a pension. For the vast majority of people, that's not enough for them to meet their living needs. Because so their living needs adjust with monetary and, inflation. You know, yeah. unless, unless you've got a $10 million portfolio and you only need $50,000 a year to live off of, how, you know, how many investors are out there like that? Not, they're, they're not too many. Not too none many. That I know, none that I know of. None, none that are on our roster. None that I've invested money for for the last 34 years. So – so, so the folks, it's 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 it just seems so easy. It feels good. it's like oh, I don't have to worry about. It. I don't have to read. It. I don't have to hear all this news. I don't have to worry about the Fed. Whether they're going to raise rates, whether they're not going to raise rates, what mm-hmm. the earnings are going to be, what they're not going to be. Geopolitical, political risk. I don't have to worry about any of that. Just you know, put it in, put it in the CD, put it in the bond, go to the house. But the purchasing power, as Kyle and Joe had most eloquently said, is eroding every month because inflation, unless we're going to a whole new world, gentlemen, inflation is a fact of life. That's right. Never- and, and, and let me just give you statistics. The long-term PCE, the, the long-term personal consumption expenditure, which was a statistic that the Fed had been following throughout history to make interest rate decisions, its long-term average is over 3.2%. So think about that, 3.2%. Let's hold right there. Let's pick up this conversation on the other side of the break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from you Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the MoneyWise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. So in our last segment of the first hour of this weekend's MoneyWise program, in fact, got a little bit of a special MoneyWise program because we only have a half hour for the second hour of this weekend's MoneyWise program because we're being preempted by the fighting Texas Aggies pregame. But I just wanted to recap from the conversation we were having in the last segment, the conversation that I that I received late Friday from a new client uh, in Houston that, you know, asked me the question, you know, with, with my amount of assets, with, with where interest rates are, why do I really need to be owning any stocks? And so, again, having the conversation that at Davidson Capital Management, how we feel that all fixed income investors should be owning bonds for us for safety and income. Has that income become a lot more uh, attractive? Yes, it has, you know, from over the last 15 years. But see, fixed income is not used for capital appreciation. And if you're a pre-retiree or in retirement and you're living off of your retirement nest egg, you still need growth in that portfolio and fixed income isn't designed to provide growth in that portfolio. That's not what bonds are designed to do. That is what the equity markets are for. But this is the key. This is why active asset management is so critical because as I continue to provide the education to this client is for us being a tactically balanced manager, there's times in the markets where we see greater opportunities and we have a higher allocation to stocks. There's times where we need to be more defensive and be more protective, and we have less of an allocation to stocks. We are not a firm that is a set it and forget it. Any long-time listener of this program knows that. It's about active asset management, asset allocation, security selection, being nimble and making decisions in current market conditions when those decisions need to be made. We always have somebody at the helm to be making that portfolio decision when the market is open, and that's how it's always been for the last 34 years. And so for any investor that thinks, well, I just don't want to deal with the volatility of the market anymore. I can get a 5% treasury bond. 
Why do I need to mess around with the stock market? It's because you need growth. You need capital appreciation. These interest rates are not going to be around forever either. That's something else to keep in mind. And so you have to, this is why active management and security selection is so critical in asset allocation. So this is why you have to own stocks. And we understand, trust me, we know better than than anybody because we are in the trenches and have been for 34 years. I've been doing this more than half of my life. We understand the stress of market of, of markets that are volatile. And I understand that we have just come through a 10% corrective move in the S&P 500 over the last, last couple of months. You know, now the big $64,000 question, are we going to see a Santa Claus rally? We know coming next week, another big data points with the PPI, producer price index, on Wednesday and the consumer price index on Thursday. And so these are going to be very much watch numbers because it's going to be market-moving data. And so this is why you have to stay so vigilant. And for those investors who don't want to stay vigilant, this is why we are hired to be the men, to be the people on the front line, to be making those decisions each and every day in our client portfolios. And as I was mentioning before the break, about inflation being the silent killer to the purchasing power of your retirement nest egg, I pulled up the long-term statistic of the PCE, the personal consumption expenditure, which used to be the data point that the Fed used to make determinations on interest rate policy. It stands at 3.24%. So if you're getting a 5 a 5% bond, and long-term PCE inflation is 3.24%. Do the math. That's your real rate of return. And I don't know of too many retirees who can live high on the hog and earning less than 1.5% real return every year. And if you're paying taxes. That's uh, true. On top yeah. of that. Taxable account, then you're going to have taxes. You know, it's part of that. You got two. You got two battles: inflation and taxes. Taxes. So that's right. Now, for for IRA, you know, non you know non taxable type accounts. All right, taxes. You know, aren't 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 a consideration, but making the decision to go to a hundred percent fixed income because interest rates are the highest they've been in the last seventeen years, sixteen years. Uh, that is an emotional decision, and emotions, uh, more often than not, are the wrong decisions to be making. Emotions, uh, emotions do more. Uh, I'm sorry, Jeff, to interrupt, but emotions have do more damage in a portfolio than any kind of stock or bond market condition ever can will. You have to separate those emotions. And if you are in an IRA, Jeff, taxes are a consideration in IRA because every dollar you take out of your IRA is taxed as ordinary income. I understand. So, just, yeah, so, but, yeah, I, I, I know your point. I wanted to point something out real quick. And this 5% thing we're talking about, we always recommend, like, the highest withdrawal rate, we recommend is 5% out of an IRA or, or even a taxable account. Well, if you're getting 5 and you're putting in a, and say the ten-year treasury hits five percent on the yield, and you buy a ten-year treasury, and you're sucking out five, and you put a hundred percent in there. Okay, you're going to assume you're going to have zero inflation over the next ten years. Does that make sense to you? You're taking out five, but you're getting five. You're not making a dime on your money, and therefore you're not. And so you're assuming you're at zero inflation for ten years. That's happened give, almost never. I will give you the government. greatest. I will give you the greatest example. And we have only a couple of minutes left. Account number one. When we started managing that money in 1989, that portfolio was 100% bonds, and they were making 8 and 9% yields on those bonds. And they were happy as a clam because they were taking out 5%, 4% a year. What started to happen as we got into the early part of the 1990s, go pull out a chart, ladies and gentlemen, what happens? Interest rates start to decline. And what did they do between 1989 and, what, 2021? They did nothing but decline. And so if they had still been in nothing but bonds 25-plus years later, if they were still withdrawing at 5%, there was a very good possibility that they would have withdrawn all of their money because interest rates went down so much. And the only reason they still have all the money they started with plus – a substantial portion, you know, a substantial amount above that, and still took out four to five percent a year is because we did what? We invested in stocks. 
And that's a 34-year example. Had that, had, that growth, had that growth in the portfolio. And that's a 34-year real-world example through the investment management philosophy at Davidson Capital Management. So that's the one thing where we separate ourselves from everyone else in the rest of the pack is we can prove our investment management philosophy over a 34-year time frame. Well, with that, we're coming up at the top of the hour, so we're going to take the break, go into the news. When we come back, we'll be diving in to the second half hour of this weekend's Money Wise program and continuing with investor education. So stay tuned. We'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after the news. All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on MoneyWise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. I've got my brother Jeff. I'm your host, Kyle Davidson. We are diving into the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program. Now, if you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906 0070 or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you have an investment-related question or topic you'd like for us to discuss here on the MoneyWise program, you can send all your emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. If you missed the first hour of MoneyWise, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Click on the radio show link where you can listen to today's show as well as past MoneyWise programs. You can also subscribe to our iTunes feed by clicking on the blue note in the upper right-hand corner of our homepage at DavidsonCap.com. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. And just a little housekeeping. Uh, this weekend's Money Wise program is going to be a half hour shorter, and the Fighting Texas Aggies pregame will be starting at 1.30 this afternoon. So in this last half hour of this weekend's Money Wise program, and as we like to, to use the second hour of our program to go into investor education, I wanted to talk about a topic that we've talked about before in the past, Jeff. I know it's something we haven't... Uh, we haven't gone into in some time, and the reason why I want to discuss this is because of a new, a new client, new couple that that have come to us, and it just again gave me motivation to have this conversation again, and it really pertains to their particular experience, in particular the the husband of the couple, and his experience. He works for a major corporation here in the Corpus Christi area. I'm not going to, to to release the name of the corporation, but it's a very large employer here. And wanted to just talk about and really to educate all of our listeners that are maybe a year away from retiring, maybe six months away from retiring, folks that are have been saving in their 401k, maybe even have a traditional pension to go along with their 401k. But I wanted to really discuss their his experience in particular and use that as kind of an educational jump-off point for our other listeners that might find themselves in this similar situation. Um, so just want to give a little background on this on this brand new client and kind of his experience. He was a participant in a 401k and, and is a participant in a 401k for this major corporation. And this major corporation's 401k is managed by a very large name brand brokerage firm. Um, just like most of our listeners would be able to identify and recognize these major brokerage firms from the Edward Joneses to the Morgan Stanleys to the Merrill Lynch's of the world. This is who was overseeing the 401k. And he had talked to me about in years past where periodically throughout the year there would be retirement planning seminars. And what these and really what these seminars were about and what I've really learned, it was really more of yes, it's a retirement planning seminar, but but more or less it's, it's a, a business, sales pitch. It's a business retention tool. It's really what it is. It's a it's a relationship building uh, procedure, if you will. And we have we have dealt with this particular employer and retirees from this particular employer for many 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 years. And this large name brand Wall Street firm has been involved in the 401k at this particular employer the entire time. 
and we hear these stories. And this particular story is is not is somewhat uh, what we've heard before, and and some parts of it are very new. And another another reason why we're bringing this up at this time of the year is that. The end of any calendar year is typically a time when there's a lot of folks that choose to retire. And it's in these last few months of the year that these organizations that need to try to keep the 401k business with their organization have these seminars as a way of of, of retaining the assets should these employees retire and decide to, to roll out their 401k into another retirement account. It's to the uh, organization's advantage from a profitability standpoint to want to hang on to these assets, and we totally understand that. We get it. We we we, we get we get it. But but you know what's also unique about this particular four hundred one k is it offers a self directed brokerage option, which you typically only see the self directed brokerage options in large employer corporate 401ks, 401ks that have billions upon billions of dollars. And what a self-directed brokerage account is, is it allows plan participants to go and work with an outside asset management firm. Here at Davidson Capital, we work with a very large employer here in town, and we are a self-directed brokerage option. Uh, Even though we're not brokers, we're registered investment advisors, but the employees are able to go and continue to invest in their 401k, and then the assets flow through the custodian of those assets to Davidson Capital Management for us to actively manage those assets as they're working and building their retirement nest egg. And that was the same situation with this new client. But what he was telling me when he went into these seminars in the past is that he got the impression from the the organization, from the group that was coming in there to give the presentation, is that if you're getting ready to retire, this is your only option. Your only option is to retire and roll these assets out with us to maintain here at this brokerage firm, and we're going to quote-unquote manage these assets for you. And and he said that him and his colleagues, just they're constantly talking about their retirement and their retirement nesting. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? And a lot of his colleagues got that same feeling that this, this was the is the only direction. This is, this is not new from this organization. We have heard this from, from other folks in the past that the the, the sales pitch – is is very well honed. It's one sided. It's a one sided pitch. And and we're here to tell you, and we're coming up on the break here in a, in a short period of time, that when someone tries to frame to you as the employ as the holder of that four hundred one k, the owner of that four hundred one k, that they are the only choice. You better bet. You bet that they are not the only choice. And. You need to to do everything that you can to investigate what the other choices are out there for you, because anyone that tries to tell you that they're they're, they're the only choice, they're not telling you the truth. And the truth is, they want to maintain your assets. We understand that, but what we don't like is when they frame it in such a way that it it is that they they will not disclose to you that you do actually have other choices that don't include them. Well, and I think something else that was so frustrating for for our new client, Jeff, is how many hoops they had to jump through to go through the process in order to get these assets moved over under our management and how frustrated our clients were of all the hoops they had to jump through. And again, we have experience of of having business come in from this organization, and we know the amount of hoops, but it was getting to the point where where he was so frustrated. He's like, wow, I don't know why anyone would ever move because they make it so onerous. And again, that is the trick. That's exactly what they want. That's exactly what they want. They want to make it to have so many hoops and so many hurdles to jump over that you just say, you know what, I'm going to leave it where it is. Well, we're coming up on break. I want to continue on this topic, continue on this education, and we'll do that right after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after these words. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906 
1-800-275-0070 or toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So continuing on investor education and talking about, again, this new client that just came into us this past week from a major organization, major 401k, and the brokerage firm that he had at one point in time, and, he, and it, what, what was so amazing is that he didn't even realize that he had selected this self-directed brokerage option from seminars in the past with this organization. Now, what this brokerage firm has that's overseeing the 401k is that they have pockets of brokers in all the major cities that this company has a major employee presence that come out and do periodic retirement, quote, you know, retirement seminars. And so he'd been to a retirement seminar in the past and somehow had signed something or had agreed to something to start this self-directed brokerage option with this organization, not knowing really anything about them other than the presentation pitch that they gave in front of the group of the employees, but also feeling like that this was the only direction he could go with his retirement assets as he went through the seminar. And as you mentioned, uh, Jeff, in the last segment, is that if you're working towards your retirement, you're a year out, six months out, eight months out, you have the total options of who you want to oversee your money, whether it's you yourself by rolling it out into a self-directed IRA that you're managing yourself, maybe through a discount broker, or if you want to go work with a different brokerage firm or a firm that is not involved in the 401k, going and hiring a registered investment advisor like a Davidson Capital Management to take discretionary control of those assets and manage it for you. We're just really here to, to, to provide that education to let you know that you have the ultimate control and the ultimate choices. Do not get sucked in in these retirement seminars and thinking that this is the only option you have because that is what they're going to make you feel like because as Jeff said earlier they want to retain those assets they don't want the assets leaving the major brokerage firm that's overseeing the 401k and of course the local representative that's coming out to do the presentation wants to continue to build their book of business so as I learned about the group that came out to give this presentation, I did a little bit of research. And as we've educated here on the Money Wise program, that all you simply have to do is go to Google. You do what's called a broker check, and it's going to take you to the FINRA website. Because everyone in the financial service industry has a permanent record. And that permanent record is going to show you if someone has any past misdemeanors or felony charges, if they filed bankruptcy, if they've had customer disputes and complaints. And so I wanted to take a look at, the, at this group that came out to give this presentation just to see what their record looked like. And lo and behold, what did I find? I found three customer complaints where there was accusations of fraud, account churning, misrepresentations, improper asset allocations, and the organization that employed this group of, of brokers had paid restitution to the tune of $575,000 over the course of their career. Not exactly a group of people that I would want to entrust my retirement assets and my retirement nest egg with, particularly when there is accusations of, of churning and of potential fraud and misappropriations. What is really disappointing in this particular case is that this the, this employer, this this huge employer has not does not appear to have taken the time to have vetted out the people that are coming out on their premises. If I correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, Kyle, but these presentations are being done on the present on the premises of the employer itself, not at the brokerage house's premises. So these folks are coming on site, on property, giving these presentations to their employees, this captive audience. That's correct. And they're not vetting out these people to see what kind of records, what kind of credentials that they have. Because this is a particularly poor FINRA report that we've seen, especially from someone that is actually still employed at this organization. Mm -hmm. that, I mean, that's what I, I was mean, surprised. A half million dollars is a lot of that's a lot of money to be paid at paying out in fines and restitution. Uh, pardon me, 
And restitution. I, I, was it restitution? It was or resti- no, okay. it was restitution. Pardon me, it wasn't fines. It was restitution. So there, there was clearly. Uh, I wouldn't think that a, that an, a, that an organization, a brokerage firm, would willingly pay out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to a customer if there wasn't merit to their claim to begin with. And, and then when I started digging a little bit deeper and just getting a background of our new client and really their conservative nature, the fact that they you know, are, are very nervous about the market and wanting to have their assets protected, I do a portfolio review and analysis as I do for any prospective client. And what do I find? I find that almost 96% of their total investable net worth of this couple, because the wife is a client also, who also had assets with this group as well, they were sitting 96% in equities. And then I dig a little bit deeper, and what do I find? They are trading this account day in and day out, day in and day out, constantly. And I dig a little bit further, and I find out that this group is charging over 3% to do what they're doing. So understand that that if I'm going out to give this seminar, these assets are already at my brokerage house. Mm -hmm. The brokerage house is already receiving fees and expenses from the 401k participants uh, for, for their participation in this plan. But I could go out to this captive audience and sell them on the opportunity to take a portion of their assets into a self-directed account where I can then turn around and raise their fees up tremendously. I mean, do you really think they're paying 3% in their 401ks right now? Absolutely not. Uh, No way. There's no no way. way. They're paying that kind of money in their 401ks. So I can take this captive audience, take them out of their, their original 401k options, put them into a self-directed brokerage account that's being managed at this brokerage firm. And I use management in quotations. Really, it appears that they're doing way too much trading, inappropriate asset allocations. Performance is horrible. And the performance was horrible, which is one thing. Yeah, we definitely (laughs) want to say that. that We we saw longer-term performance numbers that were really poor. And we can hit them with over 3% in fees. I mean, that's like rubbing salt. I mean, it's it's rubbing more salt on a wound and then pouring vinegar and then alcohol on that wound when you put all of these together. And, you know, again, we're talking about this to provide that education. You know, if you're participating in a 401k and you're past the age of 59 and a half and you still want to continue to work for many years in the future, you have the option and you have the ability to take what's called an in-service distribution. And we've worked with a lot of clients over the past 25-plus years of business that we've been in that have taken and done these in-service distributions that allows you to roll the balance of your 401K because if you've been working in an organization 30, 35 years and you're sitting on half a million, six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars that you've saved up in your nest egg and you're the one that's overseeing it and it's making you nervous, you have the ability to take that in-service distribution past the age of 59 and a half, roll those assets out. It's not a taxable event. Put them into a self-directed IRA where you can go and work with a traditional broker, someone on the sales side if you want to, or a registered investment advisor like a Davidson Capital Management who can take that discretionary control and manage those assets for you on your behalf while you're still continuing to work and still continuing to contribute and participate in the 401k because your participation doesn't stop. It just takes your balance from what it was, let's say 500000 down to zero and you're starting new. And we've had clients, Jeff, in the past, and I know you know this, that would contribute to the 401k for a year, get the matching contributions, get the profit sharing dollars, then make one phone call to us, say, hey, I'm rolling my balance for the year into what you're already managing for me. And they did that like clockwork year over year over year. So just know that if you're participating in a 401k, you're past 59 and a half, you can go and do what's called a in-service distribution. It's built into prototype 401k plans. It's part of the IRS law for the 401k. So you have that ability. But keep in mind, when you go to these retirement plan seminars and they bring representatives of the company that's overseeing the 401k, they are not going to talk about this. They have a vested interest in maintaining your assets at their organization. And they're, they're not going 
to like you said, they're they're not going to come out and volunteer this to you. And if you choose not to go with them, understand that that some of them may make it very difficult for you to pull the money out, but you know what? It's your money, and you should decide exactly where it wants to go. And and if you don't like the way they're treating you on the way out the door, tell your employer to get rid of these folks and find someone else that is not going to play this game with their their employees. Because this particular group right now that's at this major employer, if the company knew the truth about what these folks, their backgrounds are and what they've been doing, I don't think they would be out there giving these seminars today. So if you'd like to learn more about in-service distributions or if there's anything that we could do here at Davidson Capital Management to help educate you and, and, and again, discuss your options pending retirement, you can definitely give us a call in our office at 906-0070. Again, 906-0070. And with that, we'd like to thank everyone for listening to this weekend's Money Wise program. For my brother, Jeff, this is Kyle Davidson saying have a fantastic weekend into your financial health. We will talk to you next week.